Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Research Op podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. I'm Benson Lowe, a director on the board of the Research Ops community. Today, Bridget Metzler is interviewing Reops community leader in the Netherlands, Bindu Apaye. Bindu is a senior service designer at Medics and is a local leader of the Research Ops community in the Netherlands. As always, we assume that if you're listening, then you might know a little bit about research ops, the mechanisms and the processes that sets user research in motion. If you'd like to know a little bit more about research ops, you can find us at our website, researchops.community, or our Medium site. Follow us at Team Reops on Twitter, and join in the conversation at hash research ops. This was recorded quite some time back, but the interview is evergreen. We cover how we get started, what the core work of research ops is, the growth of research ops and the community in the Netherlands and explore the connections between teaching and research and research ops and service design. We also chat about what it means to be a person of color and a woman in the field. Hope you enjoy this chat. Welcome to the Research Ops podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. Uh, you're here with me today, Bridget Metzler, um, your host and co-chair of the community. And with me today is Bindu Apadie. And Bindu was born in Hyderabad, a city in southern India, with a population of close to 7 million, which is amazing to me living in Australia. Her parents are both teachers and creative in their own ways. So, you know, her dad paints and she did a lot of that stuff growing up. Um, when it came to choosing an undergrad, she went for engineering design. After a bachelor's and master's in engineering design, she worked as a product owner, mainly as a bridge between developers and customers of a software product for about two years. So in that job, she learned the terms such as HCI and UX. She wanted to know more about those and so and she wanted to move abroad so she moved to the Netherlands um, which is just an inspiration to me to be able to take that jump. Uh, she also then went to work at the TU Eindhoven as a researcher and that was a two-year doctoral program foc focused on enabling people from different disciplines to work together. After finishing the work, coursework and projects in the program she's joined We Are Reasonable People as a UX designer and she's worked there for close to three years. So Bindu quit from WAP last month and, and, uh, and now she's starting work as a service designer at Mendix, which is a product company. Welcome Bindu, thank you so much for coming. I, I, I think I wanna, I should really preface this with saying that really you're such a leader in the community and, and that's, you know, I always wanted to talk to you, but that was, um, it really strikes me that you're so active in the community and, and I can't wait to chat with you. Welcome. Thank you so much uh, for having me here. And thanks for those kind words. I, I feel that you're all doing so much and what I do is nothing compared to that. So, well, here it's, we are. Here we are. Us to talk to each other in different time zones. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So this morning when we're talking it's uh, very late for you and it's very early for me we were talking about the weather just before uh, it's going to snow in Tasmania today 
I think, maybe, <laughs> if we're lucky. And uh, does it snow in the Netherlands? Yes, yes, it does. Last year it didn't, you know, climate change, global warming, mm, I guess. Mm, but mm. Uh, uh, in my first winter here, it snowed. And that was the first time I experienced wow. snow. And it was it was magical. Like, I was holding on to that snowflake on my scarf for so long. Because, yeah. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So uh, just reading through um, all of the amazing things that you've done, tell me, Tell me about, um, uh, so you said to me just before that, that your name means something. Do you want to tell me that story? It sounds lovely. <laughs> well, okay. My, my family name, Upadhyay. So that's how it's uh, pronounced. And uh, I don't get offended if, you, if anyone cannot say it right. Uh, it's a tough one even for people uh, from India, but it means uh, teacher. And I think, um, yeah, that's uh, a bit the kind of profession, professional reference to family names that some people have. And my dad lived up to his family name and he is actually a teacher, uh, an artist and a drawing teacher and my mom as well. And they were hoping that I would also turn uh, out to be one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What do they think of you being a researcher? They don't really understand. So the way I try to explain to them is uh, they use WhatsApp and Facebook a lot. Like, you know, they're uh-huh. now having mobile phones. So they're figuring out the digital technology and stuff. So mm-hmm. I explain, like, I figure out what needs to be, be there in the app. How should it be? And I do some testing. And then my dad's like, but what are all these icons? Like, why does trash, uh, like, delete me in this trash icon or save me in this icon? So... Uh, yeah, and then I said, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we should ask designers. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's really lovely. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think that the thing about teachers and researchers is both of them are really good notices, aren't they? Like, they, just to be a teacher, you have to be able to notice who's keeping up and who is not. And to be able to translate things. And I, I think there's probably quite a lot of similarity there. Yes, you? yeah, I, I agree with you. And also like uh, making sure that the message lands in the right way mm. and yeah, uh, tuning it to the audience, you know, like you cannot teach uh, five-year-old kids in a super serious way and you cannot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so as a teacher, I saw my mom, she had a very playful approach. So I get my creativity from her. And now I try to do that uh, at work as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, I think you also need to be patient on some level. Mm-hmm. Like not everyone learns or grasps information uh, at the same pace. And that means that we as teachers, researchers need to think about like pacing the information that we feed mm-hmm. to the people in our room and not to overwhelm them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. I was a yeah I don't want to brag but I was um, a smart kid growing up I loved math I was a nerd I was an introvert I mm-hmm. was happy to be either with my school books or with you know like novels and quiz books <laughs> I had my own stash and my mom would hide them from me <laughs> what <laughs> Why, so, why would your mum hide, hide books from you? She wanted me to go out and play. <laughs> and she felt that I was studying too much. And she feels that if you study too much, you don't notice other things going on in life around you. Even now, she tries to tell me that. Mm. I get it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's that noticing thing. 
yeah. noticing what's going on around you. I guess yeah. maybe maybe she'll make you a better researcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. She, she tries to tell me about like just switching off from all these, just going out on walks, people watching. Actually, I got the whole idea of people watching from her. She I loves see. to just spend hours watching people. And now that I speak with you, I'm like, yeah, yeah. She She's really good at it, noticing these things. So what does she, does she tell you stories when she's people watching or? Yeah, she, she just finds it fascinating. She just like observes how people are moving, uh, how, how their conversations are shaping, body language. And she's yeah. like, you can spend hours. You don't need a mobile phone to spend time in a place. <laughs> I, I, think, I think after this call, you need to ring your mom and say, mom, I think you're a researcher. Yeah. <laughs> she's See sleeping she right did. now. I'll tell her that okay, tomorrow. Yeah, fair, fair enough, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I live in the Netherlands for... Um, probably those who are listening but with my Indian accent you you can figure out that I'm, uh, I'm from India also in my introduction Bridget said that yeah <laughs> it's it's a strange thing at the moment actually I think um I reflect that you know all of us are living so much online um you know I, I feel very fortunate to be able to live online and and work online and and do everything like that but it, it does mean that we forget about time zones and um, <laughs> and so you know at, at any one moment you could be speaking to anyone from anywhere really couldn't you so speaking of um, let's talk about the research ops community I was I'm trying to think when you first joined it was quite a while ago wasn't it yes I think it was in 2018 okay so you joined like at the start start at the beginning Kind of, yeah. Maybe there were yeah. like a few hundreds of members. I think I joined the first ever town hall and I spoke oh, yes. with Jake afterwards because I was so excited. I wanted to start a chapter in Netherlands and uh -huh. uh, how can we be behind, you know? How can we not have anyone from Netherlands in this call and in this community? <laughs> okay. Yeah, and and yeah. that's really changed, hasn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, UX Insight is coming up. Yes. There is, uh, uh, yeah, like so I think a lot of people are excited about it. Um, yeah, the place where I work now, there is a lot of research ops work happening. That's also one of the reasons I wanted to move to a product company because oh. I was a bit limited um, at the agency, what we could do in terms of research ops. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. We should talk about that. Tell me um, your experience. And so you're... Um, am I hearing that you're wanting to move sort of towards ops? Uh, no, not, not, not exactly. But I mm. believe that research and a researcher and a research ops person need to work closely yeah. together, like hand in hand. Let's take the example of recruitment. Uh, a researcher would know what kind of participants they need. Uh, uh, what kind of screener questions should be there. But maybe an ops person uh, would be better at, like, let's phrase this, a screener this way or you know like let's screen mm -hmm. the participants so that we can find them scheduling mm -hmm. and those kind of things so I think you cannot just go to a research ops person and say get me five candidates for this usability testing that I want to do <laughs> you know so I would I would like to work very closely with the um, research ops uh, mm. if possible but otherwise also drive initiatives mm. yeah. yeah so you've really driven I think uh, the community there in the Netherlands, and you know, you've you've 
you started your chapter and um you know have sort of semi-regular meetups and um and it, you know it's a thing now there and and i really thank you for that and for your leadership there in in the community it's um it's been such a pleasure to see um what do you think i mean i i get the sense that the netherlands is kind of at the start of the research journey and so in a sense they're both growing at the same time together how do you think um have you noticed any differences for you for the netherlands as opposed to the uk in you know the uk sort of had research for a long time and then everything got so full on that you know they sort of went oh gosh let's um think about this thing called research ops how is it different if you're getting organized and getting into ops at the beginning that's a very good question <laughs> so i think uh, last year we did the researcher skills uh, framework uh, workshop so that was the first one that i uh, co-hosted with uh, who's also a ux researcher that i met uh, through a colleague so it's uh, it was nice but then we saw the number of workshops that were happening in uk which was yeah. a lot and here we were trying to find people to attend it trying to publicize it and um, eventually uh, we had like around 20 uh, people that sh showed up but i guess in the uk the demand was quite high i think yeah. it's also I think the the work, uh, let's say the gov.uk, it's a government organization, but they have so many resources. I was recently reading an article on why UX researchers and service designers need to be best friends, So, yeah. <laughs> which is my new role. And uh, yeah, so I think they've put in a lot of work and the community is at that point where many people are talking about it, putting things into action. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, Netherlands is uh, is warming up. There is, the UX community is quite active, I would say, UX design. Yeah. Uh, people do want UX research meetups. So we organized uh, one more recently, a couple of, a month ago. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it was good. But you don't have the same, let's say, the crowd or the number of people. Yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, I, I think the approach that you're taking is to sort of insert ops into some of those meetups and um what's your sense on what kind of operations work people are picking up first if they're gonna you know add a, an ops function which one is it yeah it's a uh, recruitment no, right no guesses so yeah. basically the reason we do that is let's say a lot of ux designers are people who do research so they do their own uh, user tests and then you have in-house ux researchers who are overwhelmed by requests um yeah so those are the kind of people that we are talking with and i don't know before a company gets a full-time research ops person like there's none in the company where i work right now at mendix so the researchers have to you know like do the initial work identify opportunities and probably build a business case like look these are the um, number of hours we are spending on this and mm -hmm. we need a person to help uh, do this in a structured way yeah and i think um so in this workshop that we did a month ago we asked people to identify the challenges they have mm -hmm. and uh, we made them write a problem statement for the topmost challenge oh yes and i think out of the 16 problem statements five or six were about recruitment right wow yeah. okay yes so Gosh. they formed a small subgroup afterwards and <laughs> we're, we're planning to you know like continue talking about it from mm. different perspectives and it was not just from product companies. So there were also people from agencies. Right. Was a challenge. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, and do you, are people just, um, is it because you've got researchers all over the place trying to do their own recruitment and then doubling up and spending so much time and that sort of stuff? Yes, I think uh, there is there is that and not having, let's say, budget within an organization to mm. to have an external company right. do the recruiting. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, otherwise, you know, you can often hear a product manager or someone saying, "Yeah, let's just use this intercom thingy on our website and just get a few people." <laughs> but okay. there is there is a bias in there, like people who yes. who respond to that are the ones who care about your product and. Yeah. Or are super annoyed, but it's mostly people who care about it. So yeah, yeah. Mm. And the worst is uh, testing with internal. Yes. People, but yeah, I I've heard those stories as well. Or yeah. recruiting from your own network. Like when I was at mm-hmm. uh, working at the agency, the the challenge with an agency is that yeah, uh, your ops you can define a few things. We did, we took up a few initiatives, but a lot depends on the client that you're working for, that you're mm. working with. Uh, so if you're doing a six week, eight week project, you generally use the tools they have and work with their in-house teams. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, and you know, what about the um, other, can you see some other types of roles that you think are, are dominant as well? Um, service design is catching up a lot in the Netherlands. Um, yeah. yeah, I find it hard to draw like a boundary between UX research and uh, and service design. Yeah. One being the title I had a few months ago and service design being the title I have now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, the underlying aspect is the mindset and the way we look at, mm. at challenges Problems. and uh, the lens from which yeah. you look a service designer you're also looking at it from a business lens yeah. for example and zooming out and UX researchers are really good at zooming in mm-hmm. and so you, know, you yeah. both need to kind of support each other so one's like I'm going to stretch my arms out and the other one's like okay I'm going to dive deep in and come back yeah yeah <laughs> support me in that move yeah so oh, um, yeah so there is like service design as well and there are meetups around uh, around service design mm-hmm mm-hmm I was thinking, of course, because I'm so biased about knowledge management. <laughs> I was curious to know if that's a problem in uh, in the Netherlands um, and whether or not, um, you know, because I, what I notice is, um, you know, we've been doing the, the project for so long, the research repositories project, um, which we're about to actually speak about. There's lots of stuff coming out of there and, and um, we've really discovered that the work of an knowledge manager within research ops is actually kind of mapping out the life cycle of research and getting to know that. Um, and there are so many different problems, but for, you know, it depends, I think, on what sort of um, company you're working for, you know, are you working for a tech company or, or what, and what sort of research method are you using as to what the problems are? So if you're predominantly doing usability testing and that sort of stuff, then, um, you know, the, the value proposition or the reason that people are coming to you is because they're wanting that evidence of um, what decision did we make and why and, you know, has it changed and, and that sort of stuff. And that can be, um, yeah, really difficult to manage. Do you see that in your area, in your work, where you work? Yes, yeah, of course, I can't speak for, you know, like how things are going in the Netherlands. I'm not 
as much in touch with the the community here because also sometimes some meetups are in Dutch and I'm not there yet where I can attend meetups. Uh, but I didn't know what research repositories were um, until like maybe a year ago or before I heard of this project. Yeah. And when I was working for a client who wanted to know which code came from where and what, and I was trying to maintain code, all of this in an Excel sheet. Oh. And then I realized that I was trying to build a repository of sorts and that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, so this, this, is, this is what, yeah, I think repos are super important. Again, their nature is different. Like at the agency, a lot of our knowledge lived in PowerPoints, in, in slides. Yeah. Because that's what we gave to the client as the end deliverable outcome of a project. And it was a small agency. So let's say if I worked for a client and next someone else was picking up that project, they would come to me, uh, we would talk about it. And sometimes, of course not, they wouldn't. And you know, that would result in the silo problem, people not being aligned, <laughs> the typical stuff. And now yeah. I am getting used to the idea of a repo that's uh, there at the new company. Uh, I'm just onboarding. It's been two weeks, so please don't ask me too many questions. Uh, <laughs> but I can I, I can I, tell you that they are talking about uh, tagging, uh, naming convention, and yeah, all sorts of uh, workflows of researchers. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting because when you talk about a repo, everyone has a different perspective on on what that is. What yeah. is it, you know, where, what are you capturing and where and when? And, you know, we've had people who've had repos where they're capturing, you know, the templates and the consent forms and that sort of stuff. And then other people who are, you know, yeah. capturing the inter raw interview data and then other ones where they're trying to synthesize it. And then other ones where, you're, you know, okay. yeah, delivering yeah. research. <laughs> If you consider templates and consent forms as a repo, well, that was the first thing we built at the agency because that would help mm. us being lean uh, and efficient in research and also like a way of standardizing, yeah. a way of working uh, within the team. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and that standardization is, um, you know, I guess it's in some ways it's at the heart of what ops does. Um, and I always feel like such an interesting tension there. Um, you know, if you're trying to centralize things or, or you know, you know, bring things together and creating efficiencies and that sort of stuff, which is not all that ops is, but it's you know, it's one of the value propositions. Um, it can kind of quell the creativity <laughs> of of researchers. I've definitely seen sort of a reluctance to pick up operations or to to do that work because of that do you have any perspectives or thoughts on on that have you seen any pushback or do you you yourself have any any problems with that yes yeah, so actually i mean when we talk about repos or anything a lot of times people don't think of the underlying problems or the needs of researchers of the organization and very quickly they jump into tools so you know yeah. everyone's like discussing which tool is better than which one, why, and what features, but I might choose a particular tool because it solves my particular problem. And organizations are so different people, their way of working, it's so different. Sometimes it depends on also the, the lead researcher there or the manager on how they have shaped up the vision. So my, yeah, like I struggle when people jump to uh, discussions about tools and mm -hmm. method. methods is still okay, but tools, uh, yeah, it's, it's a means to an end. 
Yeah. But people often see that as the end, like which door yeah. do you use? Yeah, it's not going to solve your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I think that ops is so close to service design for that reason. You're, you know, you're trying to create some clarity with a whole bunch of different users and and really um, make some sense of that journey. Yeah, when I shared this with uh, with my manager, I think I came across this somewhere maybe in the Slack community or one of the, I have lost track, but I told her like, we, we are trying to think about like UX research service design and she's an amazing researcher. So it was like, look at research ops as, um, you know, like service design. Uh, research ops looks at the entire research process in a holistic way, mm. uh, uh, right from like the beginning to the end and the supporting processes mm. and like the front office, back office kind of things that you talk about. and they help in orchestrating this research and enabling the researchers to their best. Mm. And then the UX researchers, they, they are good, like let's say at running interviews or finding the method or recruiting participants. I don't know, uh, each one has their own skill, but you cannot expect one UX researcher to do this whole thing. Mm. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was, she, she was like, this is really interesting. Uh, and that's that's how I also felt when I first heard this metaphor. Mm-hmm. So I hope the service design uh, uh, world also catches up with like <laughs> many of them. <laughs> yeah. So some of the things we wanted to chat about today is um, is is how we as a community leverage what we've done, and um, you know, so every time. Uh, dear listeners, every time I'm going to do a podcast, I always say, what, what's something that you want to talk about? And this is something that Bindu said that she wanted to talk about. And and I think it's such an interesting question and an interesting conundrum for the community is how do we progress and how do we grow as a community in maturity? Um, so, yeah, tell me about what you think about maybe like the work that the community has done so far, we, we produce things um, quite often as a community, but uh, obviously we do it all just because we love it <laughs> for free and, and want people to be able to take it and, and convert that into something that they can use. Um, but so your question about how to convert it into actionable, easier to digest formats, I think it's a really, a really interesting one and in, in some ways it's kind of like turning ops in on the ops community itself. Like how do we um, actually meet the user need? I think that's the question I'd like to explore with you. What do you think of the user needs in the community? <laughs> I'll just ask all the hard questions of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, of I'm going to be a bit frank uh, and straightforward here because f- first of all, the community and the people in this community are doing an amazing job. And when I say that, it's not, um, it's a chunk of people, you know, we know that oh. those I feel who are giving way more than let's say they're receiving in that way. Maybe they're receiving it in terms of satisfaction or, or whatever it could be. But there are people who are, let's say, putting in a lot of effort and it always amazes me, like, how do you have so much energy, time <laughs> and passion and the drive to do this in, um, you know, like in addition to your regular job and families and and mm-hmm. PhDs and, you know, like what, what not. <laughs> 
so there there is there is that but then uh, i think it's because like yeah a bunch of you are super motivated and have this drive to to make something out of this but there are a lot of researchers like who have to balance so many things in their own organization and i think they come to this community looking for like hey i need some quick help and with the number of people online you always get answers you mostly get answers or you get connections so that's that's like the power of this community you know you could just go and or do a search and find and find um, the air air table for example yeah all these things uh, but i've also heard from some researchers that they they sometimes get overwhelmed looking at the, the content because they don't know like i read this this is amazing but when i go back to my job sit at my desk or home yeah. desk how how do i take this forward and um wh- what do i do with it like how do i convince let's say my manager or my team members that this is something yeah yeah because i i think it's also something to do maybe with our generation like everything these days is so easily available for consumption yeah you know download this template for interview questions download this <laughs> template for i don't know what journey maps you're just bombarded yeah. with these and things so people sometimes look for those kind of things but i feel that there is a lot of actually interesting content in here um that can be yeah shared and so the pains would be like i'm overwhelmed at at work <laughs> yeah and there is a lot of um, as a researcher you know you know there is a lot for you to learn mm. you see that others are producing a lot mm. uh, but how do i take something like this yeah back and do something at work with it mm-hmm. um for example the the mural bubble chart of sorts of what yep. is research ops i think yeah. that's a very nice one like when i saw yeah. that i was, i could like i printed it and put it in my table and i was like all these bubbles we have work to do <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yes i have yeah. i have a copy printed it's been on yeah. my desk the whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a poster that we should just um yeah that researchers should put in their work and you know mm. put it in red like all the things that need attention <laughs> yes um the skills framework for example was that like you you do a workshop and you get something out of it so with these um with this in mind you and i uh, came up with this workshop where people could go back with action items yeah. because somehow there is that need like okay if i spend 2 hours in a meetup or in my free time i want mm. something i can take back so we asked uh, participants to think of their challenges and made them pick one problem statement and they ideated in groups and formulated like a plan next steps mm-hmm. to be taken yeah and we didn't actually um we we didn't connect after that uh so for people listening yeah bindu and you have done a a lovely workshop on getting started with research ups and um tell me or tell all of us how how did that go what was it was a one big learning there what did people manage to take back home with them that day do you think uh, that's a, that's that's a good one i think uh, the fact that they could articulate their problem statement yeah and brainstorm on ideas with each other so knowing how it was solved in other groups mm. um yeah so we had one and a half hours so you know uh, it was less time to squeeze in a lot of work but the feedback we got at the end was people were willing to put more work like homework already yeah. so that's something we didn't expect people would would do 
so that's powerful yeah that yeah. that was very nice to know that these people uh, it was already like from 8 to 9:30 pm in uh, in the netherlands at that time but these were folks that were willing to uh, do some homework so that they could make more progress in such a workshop and they want more now they want series of like uh, maybe small talks about how people solve their um, recruitment challenges mm -hmm. or yeah success stories failure stories so yeah mm -hmm. it's just left up to us to kind of um, start organizing things i guess yeah yeah so just it sounds like a as you just said then like a storytelling kind of challenge like we uh we need to talk about how we've overcome obstacles more how we've implemented yeah a lot more of the how i think is is kind of what i'm seeing anyway yes yeah i think that would be useful especially if you see like different problems around the same topic and uh, then the next person who's coming to look for a solution yeah. might relate to some aspects and then they would know like i could try this yeah because yeah yeah when i look at this community i'm like i'm sure there is a solution to the challenge i'm facing in there it's just about articulating yeah. the question in the right way or being connected to the person or yeah yeah, yeah. i think a lot of a lot of people have uh, the challenge of you know maybe having implemented a solution um but maybe you don't feel like they can talk about it um because it's work uh or or maybe they've you know sort of um maybe it's been a long journey and and so the the actual point at which the solution came is is hard to to find perhaps yeah mm. and and even if they didn't find a solution that's working sharing just the plan of action like what happened what worked what didn't work can be very useful yeah. so doing some sort of retros uh, mm. for example mm. with the team uh yeah. but you know the team here being researchers because we are all a team we are a family uh, yeah. that 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 could be something however i think one more thing that stops people and also me is like do i have anything new to share am i adding value because there's so much content out there so what is it like why do people want to that's also what i said to you and before starting this whole conversation like i don't know if people want to listen or why do people want to listen <laughs> I think that's very um, humble. I've, you know, seen so much good work from you and I just, um, you know, I think you have a, a fantastic voice in the community. Um, and I guess it comes back to the, the second point um, that, you know, we wanted to have a bit of a chat about today, which of course is that um, I think Research Ops is in a really interesting position um, because, you know, design and research, has um it, it's so female dominated um but the leadership positions are, are so not female dominated uh, and but the community itself certainly is and um you know certainly there's a there's a good balance there i think at least anyway um i do notice that um there's such a uh there's an awful lot of um uh white folks <laughs> in the community and and i i worry about um you know how how we're creating space for people for people who you know the 62 different countries represented there but we're not hearing from 62 countries so you know do you, i don't know if you have any perspectives on that um yeah 
Um, that's, a, that's a good one. That's a tough <laughs> one. I don't know uh, where would we, we start with this. One is, yeah, let's say, where is this topic popular? For example, if we look at the meetups and mm. yeah, they were dominated in, in a few places, but yeah, we still had like 33 cities, I think, for the researcher skills. Yeah. Um, like framework but if you look at it it's a bit let's say dominated in uh, in europe uh us i guess a yes. bit yeah and because of you all in australia as well but yeah, yeah like there is the whole continent of asia mm. south america and africa and sometimes i feel a bit guilty that maybe i should somehow figure out ways to mobilize the community there like just share um but maybe their perspective is different. Maybe the challenges that they are solving are different. Yeah. Their needs are different. Yeah. Uh, but in then, yeah, in that sense, like, wh- what way are they different? Maybe there are different kinds of researchers mm. that uh, we could reach out to. Yeah. And yeah, at le- I think at least from like a gender perspective, I feel very welcome. Yeah. In this community, and also, yeah, being. A POC, which is a term I learned after uh, moving to Europe, because yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> in India I was just like you know dark skinned and like people are like yeah you're dark you 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 can use these uh, fairness creams and all sorts of stuff and then I come to Europe and everyone's like wow I love your skin color and I am just confused. <laughs> <laughs> Like, are they just saying this to make me feel better? Because I know people back home are saying it to make me feel worse. <laughs> wow. Okay. There's, there's, yeah. there's too many uh, thoughts thoughts around that, but um, mm. it's something that uh, I'm thinking. So when, when you said, yeah, like I'm open for, uh, you know, looking for speakers, I was thinking like, whom do I recommend? And yeah, yeah. then you said you, I, I could also be, uh, I could also be, speaking to you know like with you and probably one or two more people will listen to us or not (laughs) but but that's that's not what it is about it's just having um, the stage and what I have recently started doing is if there is a call for a speaker or application for um, uh, for a conference I go ahead because I don't want to reject myself before someone else Mm. is going to reject me so yeah. the same when it comes to job applications so just being out there I'm going to put myself out there and then if someone wants to reject me they can it's it's their problem yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I I shouldn't limit myself and this is something I tell a lot of people like people that are looking for jobs for example I mentor some uh, uh, some people here in the Netherlands that reach out to me mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm like no 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 don't, don't limit yourself before someone yeah. else says you're not fit for this job because yeah, yeah all these job descriptions are written in a way that no one can satisfy them. Yeah. Uh, they could not stop you. True. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, um, I, w- I was looking at job descriptions, actually, for research ops, and I found um, the Google um, one for their knowledge managers, and it requires a PhD. And, um, and I thought, oh, I wouldn't even get a job. <laughs> I would not get a job as a knowledge manager at Google because... Oh, that's right. Like, even if you satisfy around 50%, you're a good fit. 
<laughs> I learned that one, uh, yeah, like so many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as researchers, uh, going back to the topic of inclusion and how we can drive it, let's mm-hmm. say in recruitment, like when we are looking for participants, I think we can we can do a lot. Yes, we could, we could let's say look for people who are different. Yeah, because yeah, sometimes it's scary to talk to people who are different because we don't know what they might say, and mm-hmm. your yeah your conversation with them might not go the way you you want it. You need to be prepared for that kind of uncertainty, yeah. but you can yeah. get new new inputs. Um, at my current workplace, I know that they are working on a persona life cycle, so they're revamping um, personas because there needs to be, it needs to uh, let's say represent the accurate user base. Which right. is very diverse, yeah, the like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this push is also coming from management. They were like, "Yeah, okay." So that's that's a nice thing. So mm-hmm. when you create personas, don't just create like a colorful persona for the for the sake of it. But you know, if you could also use data to inform, yeah, that, it could it could be even more powerful. Like I'm not creating uh, a persona of of color uh, just because I want to be inclusive. No, I am doing that because uh, data is informing me that there are people that are like this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, can uh, it can shift it, it can shift the way you see things. Like you're yes. not being a savior anymore. You're mm, just a mm. carrier of uh, information. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's right. It's you know our, our job as researchers to uncover people's different lived experiences so why you wouldn't want to uncover more and, lived experiences i don't know <laughs> and and on that note i think it's also very like the way we interpret information is also very important so i learned i did like a bunch of research on cultural differences and yes. how it impacts design uh, but i also learned uh, when i was having an argument or with, with someone about like how do we present these slides so i was like we we state uh, one person could say i will state the results first and then give all the data backing it up other person could say i'm going to first give the data and then show this is the end result mm. you cannot go back and forth on this because these are people coming from different countries and their thought process is different elma yeah. Meyer points this out in her research but Fantastic. once you know that that you are um, in this, let's say, in this conversation or dialogue with this other person because of your different ways of thinking, which are influenced by culture, mm. um, you you can come to yeah, you can think about like, okay, I'm the speaker, so I want to choose what's convenient for me, for example, or I know the audience. I'm presenting to some American folks or to Russians, and this is how I'm going to just just having that knowledge. You won't judge that person anymore. You would know where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Gosh, oh, it's been such a pleasure to um to chat to you. I feel like um oh, I feel like I want to get back into the community and think about the sorts of things that we put together and how we communicate. Um, yeah, thank you as always for really your passion, Pindu. It's um it's so brilliant. <laughs> and thank you so much um i'll see you in the community and back in the in the slack yes thank you and thank you for enabling me i i really mean that oh you are most welcome anytime if you enjoyed today's podcast and want to hear more please subscribe or join us in the research ops community if there's someone you'd like us to talk to please drop us a line at teamreops at gmail.com our next show is another exciting one with mark McElhall. Research Ops Community Director and one of the leads of the Research Repos project.
Mark is famous for being a fabulous conversationalist who always brings a different perspective from many fields to any of the work he does. Every chat is a learning experience. Hope to catch up with you then. 